is Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. An update on Patrick Mahomes' ankle. And an update on the softball championship of the world. Of the country. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The line is saying that Patrick Mahomes is hobbled, hobbled. We might as well not even mess around. That is the Vegas lead. I think it's going to be the Vegas lead all week. The status of Patrick Mahomes, who I I don't know that there's been uh, uh, the status of one player that has put a a line into focus like this one, a game into focus, because this this really feels like if, you know, the Bengals have had the number of the Chiefs here recently as it is, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people who say, well, Bengals are the Chiefs kryptonite, (laughs) and they may be, uh, but when Patrick Mahomes is on the team, you never think that you're out of it. And you never think that, well, that team should be an underdog. If Patrick Mahomes is not healthy or Patrick Mahomes is not playing, this Chiefs team, to me, is an average team. And well, It's probably less than that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world right now. He has a huge impact on his team, we there's no denying that. I think the the best example that we can kind of look at to see what this game might look like if Mahomes does in fact play, because that's everything that the, the Chiefs are at least saying right now, which is what they should say, by the way. They should say that Mahomes is going to play. Yeah. You want the Bengals to prepare for Patrick Mahomes and not Chad Henney. But this is this is the reality. What did we see when the Chiefs played against the Bucs in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes was dealing with the injured foot? I mean, we saw we saw a lesser team. We saw a a, a we saw a Mahomes that couldn't get away from pressure. Yeah. We saw a Mahomes that did not utilize his running ability like he had throughout. I guess the, the the playoffs in that game, I guess he had 33 yards, but it wasn't the same Patrick Mahomes, and clearly the foot impacted him. That's the closest thing I can think of to see what a hobbled Mahomes is going to look like this week. Well, and I think this injury is probably worse than that one. Agreed. This, this you know, the, the thing about these high ankle sprains is the day of is probably the best day of it. And the fact that he was able to come out and play in the second half, kudos to him for gutting it out. Uh, he probably wrapped it up real tight. I don't know if he got a shot. I would guess mm-hmm. he got a shot. But two, three days after the fact, I mean, that's when it's at its worst. That's when the swelling is maxed out. That's when it's purple. You can't put any weight on it. Um, I I haven't seen any videos of Patrick Mahomes. My guess is we won't see a video of Patrick Mahomes this week. Um, at least we won't see a video of him walking. Maybe we'll see him mm-hmm. in a chair or something. But this is uh, it, it's funny that this one man's ankle is literally the the, the decision maker on hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars being moved around right now. This this line opened with the Bengals three point dogs, which seems about right. Well, the it, la- they played earlier this year. The game was uh, where the game was in Cincy, and Kansas City was a two and a half point favorite in Cincy. Yeah, this game is now at Arrowhead. Healthy Mahomes. This line should be way more than three and a half. Oh, no doubt. But we knew there was a chance that he wouldn't be healthy. This is what the line is telling us now. The line is telling us Mahomes has gone from questionable, I think, to doubtful. And there's because there's no other because the plus three Chiefs minus three is the open Mm -hmm. 
already had blended in. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Yes, hobbled Patrick Mahomes. This is this is like a, a coin flip. Maybe he plays, maybe I, he doesn't. So I don't think it's saying that Mahomes is doubtful. I think it's just, I, I think people are just hammering the Bengals with the hobbled Mahomes. Mahomes tweeted out yesterday, you know, see it, everyone in Sunday, okay. you know, stuff, whatever. You, you, what you said just struck me because if, if Patrick Mahomes suits up, Mm-hmm. And he warms up, mm-hmm. and he plays the entire game. Late money comes in on the Chiefs. But, do, I mean, do you want a Chiefs plus one-and-a-half ticket in your pocket if Patrick Mahomes is going to play? I'd like a Chiefs plus two-and-three-and-a-half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like if you've got Chiefs plus I'd like a Chiefs, at home— I'd, I'd like a Chiefs teaser. Sure, but think— I mean, be serious for a second. Patrick Mahomes playing a home game, still think the Chiefs, catching points. Yeah. Like, who would Never say happens. no to that? And so to me, this really says either the market believes he's not going to play or he's going to be so limited that he doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. And I think either one of those things is is possible. But I think at this point, him playing hobbled is the best case scenario because there's no way the money pushes this this far without some sort of information that says, yeah, this is bad. I love how everyone's trying to find information. Like everyone's fighting to see who, what sources people have, who's going to leak what. I saw a multitude of people on Twitter yesterday thinking that they or, or pretending to have sources, or maybe they do have sources, but it's all conflicting, right? You have one guy says, Hearing from people, Mahomes can't even put pressure on his foot yet. Hearing from this guy, Mahomes is still on crutches. Hearing from this you can't believe anything that you're going to read or anything that you're going to hear, especially if it comes from, you know, Patrick Mahomes saying something like, see you Sunday, Chiefs Kingdom. That doesn't mean anything. No, because he's going to see him for sure. Anyway, he'll be on the sideline (laughs) if nothing else. He might be in street clothes, a hoodie. Uh, But, yeah, he'll see him. Dude, I can't imagine him not playing. It is hard to imagine, and he's I going like, to play, but it's just it. He's just not going to be himself. I I remember that game last week on the sideline against Jacksonville, when he right after he came out of the game, and Andy Reid and the trainer were standing there. This, the, Andy Reid's had the same trainer for like twenty years. That's followed him around, like he, he a guy he clearly trusts. Mm-hmm. And Patrick, you could see him saying, "I'm good. I'm playing," and I feel like in this situation. It's hard to tell a player like Patrick Mahomes, no. So uh, if it were ahead, okay. Yeah, yeah. Of but I, I think in this situation where it looks, it's. I mean, it feels like it's a pain tolerance type of thing. Well, I also think it's a mobility type of thing, right? Because I think he's going to be severely taped up, and it's going to impact the way that he plays. I also think it's going to impact the way that Andy Reid calls the game. Because I think you're going to see a lot more of Jarek McKinnon in as a personal protector. I think you're going to see a lot more maybe two tight end sets. Something that has to limit the pass rush for the Cincinnati Bengals. Because I'll tell you right now, you know, Lou Anarumo, everyone's singing his praises. Guy's going to get a head coaching job, right? He's going to want to get after Patrick Mahomes in this game and really take from the script that that the Bucs used in that Super Bowl when Mahomes was dealing with the turf toe. So I think that Andy Reid's going to have to call some plays to protect or design some schemes to protect Patrick Mahomes. Because if he gets sacked and gets twisted up awkwardly or has to run and and steps awkwardly, now you're going with Chad Henney the rest of this game. Yeah. And Chad Henney, I think he's a perfectly serviceable backup. You don't feel good about Chad Henney beating the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship, certainly. Uh, Fez yesterday sat in with us while you were gallivanting off in Disney World or wherever you were. Uh, Yeah. And he gave out a a pick yesterday. He's he's in – I mean, this isn't any uh, rocket science. He said, teased the 49ers and the Bengals. The Bengals were plus one and a half at the Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I got a a nice teaser in hand last night uh, or yesterday morning. I guess right at right after the show, uh, plus two and a half to eight and a half, plus one and a half to seven and a half. I mean, I had to find a one and a half. It was already mostly ones, and then as the day went on yesterday, to see it get down to pick and then go through pick 
And then one and a half, I said, oh, boy. Now I guess a question I'm going to have to ask Fez uh, tomorrow night Mm -hmm. is do I play a 49ers Chiefs teaser now? Do I I play both sides of that teaser and have that – Oof. That juicy middle, you might you might be able to yes, but it feels like now any bet on the Chiefs is extremely high variance. Yes, and, and what about the total? Total's gone down three points in this game from yeah. forty nine and a half to forty six and a half. This is why I say it feels like the market is telling us that he's he's doubtful to play because the those kind the kind of moves that we're seeing here aren't like you know maybe. Kind of move. These are like serious moves. That I I can't. I just can't see it happening. You can't see him sitting. I can't see him sitting. I'll, I'll stand by what I. I'll stand by what I said before. I think that he plays, but it's just severely limited, and and it it might hinder their offense. It, it, it actually. What do you mean it might? Of course it will. He's not 100%. He's not going to be even close to 100%. But I definitely think he's out on the field. I can't. I just can't see him. Not suiting up for this game. Well, this is the the first morning we've seen you since the the games this weekend or last weekend. So, I I, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the games that got played. What did you think of the Chiefs Jags? Like, did you how did you feel about how the Chiefs looked post Mahomes injury? Um, obviously, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs, so they still have dynamic playmakers on offense, and and you know Pacheco is such a big part of this team and has been all season long. So you love what he brings to the table, and I, I just felt and I don't know, I kind of never felt the Jaguars were going to be able to pull this off. I know that they made it. What was it, twenty seventeen in the fourth quarter? Yeah, but then you know you had. Mahomes lead a nice drive and they go down the field and score a touchdown at that point. Seven minutes left or whatever it was when it was a 10-point game. I never felt that the game was in jeopardy, ever. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It it felt like a a foregone conclusion. And even when they were within three, it didn't feel like they were – it didn't feel like they were close, Um, especially because by that point Patrick Mahomes had come back into the game. Yeah. And he didn't look – like vintage Mahomes, mm-hmm. but he didn't look all that hobbled necessarily. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It, this is such a tough call. And listen, the reality is this Jacksonville Jaguars team, It was. it's easy to say it, it, impressive season. This, this team had back-to-back first picks overall the yeah. last two years. Now they're in the playoffs, won their division. Let's remember – this team won one of the worst divisions in football. Yes. This is not a really good team. No. Um, you know, they, they were getting blown out in the wild card round. Like, it, it, it wouldn't have surprised anybody if this team had just gone on into the sunset that day and it, it wouldn't have mattered. So, I'm not uh, – the Chiefs doing this to the Jags, is, it's impressive, particularly given the injury. But it's not going to be easy. The Bengals are a legit – great football team yeah and I I think we we got probably the four best teams if, if not I mean depending on what your what your thoughts are about Buffalo at this point four of the five at, at yeah. worst I agree uh best teams I agree and there's no more there's no more easy wins there's no more mm-hmm. uh you know bullying a, a, a lesser team everybody who's left is really really friggin good yep and now you know, beating the Jags with a hobbled quarterback is one thing. Beating anybody else going forward is a complete other one. So, yeah. uh, particularly for these Chiefs, who, let's face it, of the teams that are left in the playoffs, I would say they are the most quarterback reliant, quarterback dependent team because the other teams have high end defenses or uh, I, I, I I guess okay so you're confident in Minshew if if he had to play for the Eagles. We saw what he did against the Dallas Cowboys. That was a good performance. Uh so I guess you're you're okay with him, although we also saw him not so great uh against the Saints. Yeah. So it's the good and the bad that we saw from Minshew. If it were I guess who's the backup for the 49ers? It's, <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I, I have no idea actually who the, who the backup quarterback for the 49ers is. Who, right but, now, but, right now in their depth chart, the backup quarterback is Josh Johnson. Okay. 
if Josh, if Josh Johnson has to play. But you know what? But you know what? They, but we can't. They, you they have say, to say Jimmy Garoppolo might be ready. Here's what you have to say no matter what. Yeah. The, quarter, the, the 49ers are the least quarterback dependent team in of the course, playoffs. Of course, because they have a third stringer, the last pick in the draft. And, and they look like the best team in the and league. And has never lost. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals, Joe Burrow's been so good. No, no doubt. Joe Burrow makes it go. That if Brandon Allen had to play. It would be over. I think it would be like a touchdown difference in the line. I agree, but the Bengals have been, they've leaned on their defense in the second half of the year. Sure. And because they're behind such a bad offensive line right now, like you saw them do it against Buffalo, they ran the ball down Buffalo's throat. And this is a team, if you remember early in the season, I, I'm sure you do because I was sat here on the show bitching about it. Why are the Bengals trying to be a smash mouth run team? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't what you should be doing. Yeah. But clearly, there's a, a good portion of their playbook that can be a smash mouth run first football team. And, you know, it worked perfectly against Buffalo. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overstating it because it's not like the quarterbacks left are all important, no doubt. But it feels like if you take Mahomes off this team, you say, I'm giving you a league average quarterback. They're, that's your guy now. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Chiefs are the the worst team in this group. Like they are the 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 worst non quarterback roster. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It would be close between them. Their roster is close to the Bengals. I guess I would favor the Bengals defensive roster yeah. better than the Chiefs defense roster. But offensively, I, I guess no. I guess the Bengals probably have a better roster. You're you're right. I, I think because it's Kelsey is the best player. And then Jamar Chase is the second best player. Ooh, that's good. I think that's a, a discussion to be had over which one of them is better, which one's more valuable. Kelsey's more valuable. Mm, okay, I, I probably disagree. I'll, I'll take a top tier wide receiver over a top tier tight end. Yeah, but he is like a wide receiver. Yeah, he's a deadly red zone weapon. He's unguardable. The reason why the elite tight ends are so good is because most of the time they're being guarded by linebackers or strong yeah. safeties. Or nickelbacks, you know? So, uh, yeah, Kelsey's the best player on the, both those teams. And then you'd go Jamar Chase. Uh, Eagles stomped the Giants. Just an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, they flexed their muscle. I, I, I turned the game off. Oh, no. What, like, yeah. I, I, I'm curious your thoughts on, and I was thinking it at the time, what is Scott thinking about Daniel Jones right now? Like I still Daniel think, Jones played the worst game he's played yeah, all season. He yeah. looked like 2020 Daniel Jones. Sure, I still think uh, does deserve to be the quarterback of the team next year. Not going to get it. And it sounds like yesterday Brian Dayball made it clear, hey, yeah. this is who we're going with. We're, yeah. we're trying to work to get Daniel Jones in here next but, year. But this is the thing. The Giants made a gutsy call, Brian Dayball-esque, on their very first drive that completely backfired. And... When it works, it works. When it doesn't work, it doesn't work. This one did not work. They go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. The Eagles march right down the field, and it's 14-0. Day balls of steel. Day balls of steel. (laughs) Now, could the Eagles have scored if the Giants punted away? Absolutely. Could the Eagles have scored if the Giants went for a 59-yard field goal? Yes, they could have, whatever. But it didn't work out. 14 nothing, and then Daniel Jones throws an interception on the next drive. Before you know it, it's 21 nothing, and then 28 nothing at the end of the half. Game was over. I'm curious it, at what point, because you and I both, uh, both of our rooting interests, like as, as fans, lost in blowout fashion this weekend. At what point did you say, this is over? There's, they're dead. Like, 20, 20, at halftime. 28? Yeah. I'll be honest. When it was 14 nothing, I said, the Bills aren't winning this game. They look like shit. They, and they the the Giants like saying. No, I was talking about the Bills. Oh. It was 14 nothing for, oh, for the, Buffalo. Because like, Joe Burrow went down. And, I mean, it was like two minutes, three minutes. He scored a yeah. touchdown. Oh, I said, oh for, boy. For Buffalo, I feel like I didn't think the game was over until 27-10 in the second half. Okay. Because at halftime, it's a 17-7 game, and I was thinking, still Josh Allen, it's still the Buffalo Bills. Anything could happen. What did you see? Because to me, this this felt like it was just a 
about as flat of a I guess game we, as Buffalo could I guess, play. I guess I could say the touchdown at the end of the third quarter is really what ended the game. Yeah. That was it. Uh, I thought it was uh, one, of, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen Buffalo play. It's wild. And, they, I mean, Josh Allen, he's he's catching a lot of grief. And you can't say, anything, oh, the snow, the snow, the snow. No. The snow is for both teams. Yeah. And they've played in this weather before, so it's not like, oh, the snow affected them. I don't want to hear that. I, I, I said this. What really affected them is that they don't have a running game. And in the playoffs, you got to run the damn football. I said this yesterday. I, I don't think Josh Allen played a bad game. But he didn't play the kind of game that the Bills need. For, like you talk about quarterback dependent teams, because like what you just said, the Bills don't have a running game. No. Like Josh Allen, if if the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, Josh Allen has to be like the best version of Josh Allen. And this was a very pedestrian no. version of Josh Allen. The, the that, only, that the, only way, the only way the Bills are going to win that game is if Josh Allen had you know like the ten carries for seventy eight yards type of performance. That didn't happen. No. And it never looked like it was going to happen. The offense, maybe the play calling was off. Maybe they just fell behind early. So they were they were trying to chuck the ball down the field. And such a big part of Josh Allen and this Bills offensive game are those long, deep shots down the field. Yep. And, you know, I, I understand the weather doesn't play – the weather plays a factor in this. But also, I just think the Bengals – they outcoached them. I think Bengals defensively had an incredible scheme, and I think McDermott and Ken Dorsey got outcoached. I think if the Bills, the the Bills' biggest issue to me is they are a team that is built to be a dome team <laughs> that plays outdoors. That plays outdoors in terrible weather. And there was a, a play felt like maybe it was like third and five or something, and it, they weren't in a position where it would have been an easy decision to go for it if it, if it got to fourth and five, mm-hmm. but I mean, Josh threw the ball probably 40 yards down the field, like going for a home run on third and five. And all I could think was, man, it would have been really nice to hand it off and pick up three yards there and have, and have a decision two and like have a decision yeah. to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but instead they end up punting and it was just, you know, and, and credit to Joe Burrow who continues to just, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm such a. It took me so long to come around on Joe Burrow, because he's not the toolsiest guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I do get infatuated with with arm strength and and mobility and things like that. And and you know the the things that like if you were uh, building a player on Madden, the things that you'd want. Yes. But there's and I'll be honest, Joe Burrow's early college years, I was like, this guy sucks. Yeah. The the year that LSU won the national title. I was trying to fade LSU early because I said, this team is so good if they had anyone but Joe Burrow playing quarterback. <laughs> and, I, of course, by the end of it, I look like a giant dope because Joe Burrow has one of the best seasons ever. But there's no denying that Joe Burrow is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in this league. And he did his work early and got out of the way. Yep, handed, yep. and just handed it off to Mixon. And he, like he made, he played a mistake-free first quarter, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to lean on him to do really anything. And you did, like you didn't, ha- he didn't have to worry about the uh, the offensive line because they, you know what, a backup offensive lineman are, are pretty good at run blocking. Yeah, like all just push forward, push forward. That and one, the one jump pass that he did was just uh, it, that was if Patrick Mahomes made that play. It, it, we'd still be watching yeah. that highlight. Yeah, Joe Burrow's in, this this run is incredible. Uh, the Bengals keep finding ways to win. Uh, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to deny it anymore. And you know, this he's he's going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if it's this year. Joe Burrow's winning a Super Bowl at some point. He like he, there's just something about him. There's a uh, there's a, a gravitas, if you will, that just like makes him. I think everybody feels like they're they're gonna win when he's out there, and I. It's wild. You see him walk in wearing his little sister's clothes, and you say, "How can this dude be the dude? He's the dude." Uh, there's no doubt about it. So I, I honestly, I, I think, I think, I think they do win it this year. You think so? Yeah. I mean, maybe so. Like I, I I'll say this: I, I, there was a time last week where I said this Bengals Bills game is the AFC championship because I I really felt Mm -hmm. like the bills getting to play that game indoors in Atlanta. I felt like the bills were going to beat the the chiefs. I I felt like the Bengals were going to beat the chiefs. Um, 
it, it, because the Bengals have consistently beat the Chiefs. So you may be right. You may be right. I, I will say, God, and let's let's get to the last one, the 49ers. The 49ers are so good. And they made Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott looked like Joe Montana last weekend. And then he comes into this game and and looks like, I, I don't know, St- Steve DeBerg. <laughs> uh, it was a massive, massive drop-off. And one of the things we talked about, and I, I asked you when we were previewing this game, is it real? And was Dak, what we saw against Tampa, real? Was the offensive line holding up against no pass rush and Dak having a clean pocket? Mm-hmm. Was that sustainable against a team like the 49ers? The answer was clearly not. No, and there's a lot of Dak hates going around, if you want to call it that. And when I think about it, I guess you, you have to ask the question that really – Everybody has to ask when it comes down to a franchise quarterback, can this guy win you a Super Bowl? And it's so hard to judge people off of that question that I do think the media, the fan base, people doing podcasts might be a little bit unfair to Dak Prescott. Yeah. Because there's so much more than just can this guy win you a Super Bowl? Only one quarterback wins the Super Bowl every year. Think about it this way. Of the eight quarterbacks that were in the playoffs last week, mm-hmm. one of them has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. One yep. out of eight. Yep. So, and like there's, there's, I think what you just, the question you asked, like can, can he win me a, a Super Bowl? I think there are guys, and I think Joe Burrow's certainly one of them. I still believe Josh Allen is one of them. Guys who haven't done it yet, but you can see – like, oh, it's going to happen eventually. Like, that, that's what they've got. Uh, you just don't, you don't see it with Dak? I, I think Dak is, you know, he's, he puts you in a weird position. Because if I say, who, who can win you a Super Bowl? Let's say you've got, you need to have one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. He's a top 10 quarterback. Borderline. He's at the bottom of that top yeah. 10. Yeah. And so then the question becomes, like, is top 10 just like a vague line is it really top eight and like because he's certainly bordering on a guy you believe can do it or a guy who's gonna keep you competitive because he's really good uh and I certainly think that he's he's good enough to to have you in you know in the playoffs every year is he good enough to do something more I don't know what I do know is the Cowboys in this offseason didn't do him any favors by trading away Amari Cooper it would have been nice to have Amari Mm -hmm. Cooper out there um, you know, CeeDee Lamb is a really good player, but when he's the only guy you're targeting, it's kind of easy to game plan against you. So, and then obviously the Pollard injury was huge, but it, it just felt like Dak, it, it maybe kind of like the Josh Allen thing. If the Bills were going to win, Josh Allen had to be great. If the Cowboys were going to win, Dak Prescott had to be great, and he was, wasn't even good. I'm going to ask you something. Was Dak Prescott, or is Dak Prescott, is this Dak Prescott tenure? Is he better than Tony Romo? No. No. Tony Romo, like, this is the weird thing about Dallas Cowboys. And growing up in Texas, this is like a, um, this is something I've heard a lot. Like, Tony Romo's probably a better quarterback than Troy Aikman was. Like, but... The the problem is, RJ says in in Pittsburgh we measure things, but with Lombardi trophies. Yeah, I think it's the same way in Dallas. And the idea that Tony Romo never won a Super Bowl, no, everybody's going to look at him as kind of like a uh, a disappointing guy. But Tony Romo put up crazy numbers for a long time. He didn't play defense. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have the best coaches. Mm-hmm. Like I think da- I, I think they're they're similar. I I, I probably lean towards Romo. Uh, but I think I think Dak is is good too. It's just at it, it, this it, once you get to this point in the playoffs, you got to be great. And they they played a team that um, that I think is great. And they again, if Dak plays his best game, they they can probably beat the 49ers. If Dak plays his best game, they can probably beat anybody. But Dak didn't even play a good game. Yeah. And it's the same thing I say about Josh Allen. If Josh Allen plays his best game, I don't think the Bills lose to anybody. If Josh Allen plays – well, that's 
Josh Allen might have played his best game last year in, in the AFC uh, AFC yeah, division round, and they lost. Seconds, so, yeah. but it's there's a handful of guys who you're like if they if they ball out, nobody's beating them. I think Dak falls into that conversation. He just he not only did he not ball out, he played poorly. This wasn't like mm-hmm. like what I said about Josh. He didn't play bad. He just didn't play good. Dak was bad, and both both the interceptions. I said this yesterday with Fez. Both interceptions that Dak threw are like inexcusable. Mm-hmm. You can't throw the ball in that spot. Kind of throws. So, uh, and not. To, I mean, listen. Josh Allen's had plenty of those this year. Dak just had two of them in a game that, that both of them he got punished for. Well, the, the touchdown interception ratio has, has not been good this year, and the the interceptions have been an issue for Dak. But this guy still wins you football games. You can't deny the regular season that the Dallas Cowboys had. Yes, I know that Dak missed some time. But still, Dak Prescott led this team to a 12-5 and record in the regular season this year. You win 12 games every year, and you're in the playoffs every single year? What more can you ask for from a guy? Okay, you want to win one Super Bowl, and there's a lot of people out there that would say, I would trade one Super Bowl victory. For like, I ask this question all the time. What would you rather have as a fan of your team? One Super Bowl win. Let's give it a 15-year time span. Okay. Is that too long of a time span? Should we go 10 years? I mean. Fine, 10 in, years. In 15 years, your your team is supposed to, like, you know, have, right, a, have a 50-50 let's shot. Go, let's go 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Would you rather have one Super Bowl win and nine years of mediocrity? Maybe you make the playoffs three out of those nine years, and you're one and done. And, or you're just a middle-of-the-road, borderline bad team for nine years, but you got one championship. Mm-hmm. Or 10 years in the playoffs every single year, championship games consistently, maybe make a Super Bowl or two, no wins. No championships. But you are consistently... A contending team. What would you rather have as a fan of your team? So that's tough because you just described my early fandom with the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> well, they went to four straight versus balls. the middle tier of my fandom, <laughs> where they were. I mean, they were literally like the a, fr- a franchise that you sometimes forgot existed. I will the the early, like it's funny because the uh, the highs. When your team has a chance to win every year, or they, it feels – I mean, it's its awesome sitting down on the couch and watching your team play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. It sucks going into a season knowing your team's probably not going to make the playoffs, and if they do, they're going to get bounced in the first round. I would, I would lean towards having the sustained success with no Super Bowls, but that also comes from a fan of a team that's never won one, so I don't know what it's like. I mean, you should be able to speak to it as a Giants fan. You've seen kind of both, both ends of the spectrum too, like – yeah, but they won two in a short span. That was kind of, and you know, they did it also when I was a kid too. So it was yeah. kind of, uh, it, it's a, it's a different thing, um, uh, right? I, but that the run that the Giants had, where they won the two Super Bowls, well, me, the recent Super Bowls, yeah. or like the first three years of the Daniel Jones era, like th- that mm-hmm. sort of team. Like, no, I think I think the question is, would you rather be the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl in twenty ten? Haven't won one since, haven't gone to one since. But you've been in the playoffs every single year with the exception of three years. Yeah. And you've been the best team in football, arguably, for three, maybe four of those years, five of those years. Because the year after they won the Super Bowl, they were 15-1 and and lost in the playoffs. So I want to say you have one Super Bowl championship. You were... The best team in football for f- five years, but no championships in the last 12 years. Or you could be a team of mediocrity. I mean, certainly, but you don't want to be mediocre. I mean, that, that's obvious, but there is something to like at some point, if you, if you follow a team for 30 years and they don't win a Super Bowl, it's like, like the Jets. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. I think a Jet, Jets fans would sell their soul for a I think championship. So. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not like a, enough of a diehard Bills fan. Like I, I've I've become so emotionally detached from sports teams 
you know, covering sports for so long mm-hmm. that I, I just don't. Same. I'm not like overly emotional about it. But Although I'd really Rangers love to see it. it. Well, if the Rangers won a Stanley Cup, and they almost did, you know, what was it, 2015 against the Kings? If the Rangers won a Stanley Cup. I haven't seen it since 94, so if that happened. That'd be big for you? Yeah, I'd go to the parade. Okay. Yeah. What about the Knicks? You don't care about basketball that much, huh? No, but, if I mean, the Knicks were a great thing for my childhood. Yeah. You know, after after Ewing left, it kind of. <laughs> it goes downhill. Kind of all went downhill. Yeah, it kind of goes downhill. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. But listen, either way, the Tony Romo era and the Dak Prescott era right now are basically the same. Yes. Uh, I I don't know that there's a big difference. The Cowboys are going to look a lot different. There's not going to be – I think we've probably seen Zeke Elliott play the last game he's going to play. Does Dan Quinn get a job? I'm sure he does. I I don't know if it's it's a smart move for someone to give him a job, but I'm guessing Mm -hmm. he'll he'll get a job. Uh, And, you know – then it comes down to how do you add to this team? Like what what uh, what improvements do you make? It just I mean, is Tony Pollard going to come back and be a hundred percent? I don't know. A broken leg is not a small thing. Yep. Um, it, but I do think that they need another weapon on the outside that's not named Michael Gallup. Mm. Like you you the the problem of trying to defend C D Lamb and Amari Cooper. And Michael, if Michael Gallup's your third guy, yeah. you're in good shape. If he's your second guy, okay, we can handle that. Um, it, it's just it, taking that piece away and not replacing it, I think, was foolish by the Cowboys. All right, we're going to talk some hoops later on in the program, but I said, you know what? We've got to get to the real headline. Mm, what's that? Scott Seidenberg is back. He missed three episodes. Or was it four? I think it was three. Three episodes. Three episodes. It's good to have you back. I noticed you came back and you're not wearing a championship ring. I am not wearing a championship ring, no. I'm disappointed by this, Hmm. but it was not a lost weekend. It was a good weekend for for our boy Scott here. It was a great weekend, a great experience. I had the honor of representing the state of Nevada at the USSA Challenge Cup in Florida, and we finished fifth. Out of 56 teams in the men's division. That's strong. Fifth place out of 56 with the third best record overall in the entire tournament. We went 7-3. and three, And uh, only Central Florida, who won it all at 8-1. and one, And Arkansas finished in second place. They had 10 wins because they had to go through the loser's yep, bracket. Yep. Um, they uh, had the second most wins. And Nevada had the third most wins with seven. We actually lost to Central Florida in pool play. Four to three. The team that won the whole the thing. The team that won the whole thing, and they told us that we were their best competition of the whole tournament. Ah. Four three game, tough, low scoring, defensive battle, but it was an, it was a great experience. Uh, uh, you know, I, I call it once in a lifetime because it was my first time going, my only yeah. time. You know, I've never been there, and it was just uh, it really was surreal. It was, it was cool to see all the. Uh, all the states kind of coming together, teams representing their states and and rooting for each other. Like I, we we sat down and watched a couple of games. I was rooting for we were rooting for Team Arkansas. I had some friends on the Jersey team, so we got to go watch them, and then they came and watched our games, and it was cool to kind of bond and I I kind of got like the Little League World Series experience, you know? Yeah, I mean it's I mean honestly, when you were telling me about this, it sounds so much like what. My uh, my older son went through doing yeah. like a travel ball, uh, so it, I mean it's it is a blast. And like when you the first time you play in one of those mega tournaments, mm-hmm. it's it's about as cool as it gets. Yeah, and, I, and we do tournaments here in Vegas all the time, and I and I travel to you know California and Arizona, and 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 it's you know it's good. There's I've been in I did a world tournament in, in Phoenix, and there was like you know thirty teams. There's fifty six teams, but it's not just about. Like the team, it's not just any teams. These were all star teams. Yeah. These were the best of the best. The best players in each state representing their state, playing in a, an Olympic style event and uh, a little, you know, uh, I guess consolation prize. I was named to the all tournament team. And that is so, impressive because that, uh, with 50, 50, how many? 56 teams? teams. 56 teams. Yeah. Uh, how many people made the all tournament team? Uh, I believe just ten. Wow. Yeah. So that's a that's Maybe a hell 12. of an accomplishment. Yeah. So the dinger count 
as we we referenced on last Thursday's show, the Dinger count ended up getting pretty high. Yeah, five in ten games. That's strong. Now one. keep in keep in mind, as a, in these games, you're only allowed one per team. That's right. And then the rest of the one, you're only allowed one home run, and then it's an inning ending out. Now, here's so the real five question: five games, at five of them. Yeah. How many people did you tell about our podcast while you were down there? Oh, everyone knows. Okay. Everyone not, knows. Not the people on your team. I'm talking about like the guys from Team Maryland or, or Team Michigan. Uh, a couple of guys, a couple okay. of guys, especially from Jersey. A couple of okay. guys. Okay. We, right. we were talking betting. We were watching. Uh, it's funny. I was setting lines on some of these games while I was down there. We were watching Arkansas against Michigan, and uh, you know, Michigan took a nice lead going into the, the bottom of the seventh inning. They were up by seven, and I said to one of the guys on the bleachers next to me, I said, "Listen." Any interest in taking Arkansas plus six fifty right now? <laughs> and he said plus six fifty to come back and win. No, they're down seven runs. No shot. You got to give me like ten to one. And I said, listen, I'm a cockroach. I'll give you a plus six fifty. You can take it or leave it. And what? Did and he do? said, no dice. Guess what? Arkansas came back, scored eight runs, and won that game. Team Arkansas for the so, win. So, should have taken the plus six fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. It really was an incredible experience. You had all, all these, uh, you know, uh, the, the bat manufacturers were there, and everyone had their own tents and, and setting up the displays. They allowed you to try out the newest models. Some of the some of the uh, the pros were down there, and missed out on an opportunity to play in the stadium. The stadium, which was the former minor league home of the Marlins and the Nationals, the, for a the, while, uh, spring training home. Yeah, former spring training home of the Marlins and the Nationals. Uh, did get to check out the stadium, watch a couple of games there, but we did not, as a team, Nevada, did not have the opportunity to play in the stadium. We had to play in one of the you know regular fields on the side. But a beautiful complex down there in uh, Vieira, Florida, and an incredibly run event that is still going on now for the next couple of weeks. So different divisions are playing. The women play this weekend. So we got to root hard for our Nevada women who some of them were there with us this past weekend cheering us on and are down there playing their uh, tournament this weekend. Is there a, uh, like you, you mentioned, this was the, the E division. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not exactly sure how it, like. So E that. and D were there this weekend. Okay, yep. and what's the, what's the highest level? Uh, well, there's pretty much conference. Okay. Like the, 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 the stars. When, guys, yeah. when does that tournament take place? And like, do you, do you know any of the guys on the Nevada team that are at that level? There is no Nevada team at that level. Oh, okay. No, no the, the major level, uh, the guys that play majors, the guys that are conference players, there's no, uh, there's no, n- none of those guys. No. So what's that? Where, how high does it go here? Like B? C. C? Yeah. Okay. Wow. And there's only like two C teams here in Nevada. Will one so, of them go to a big tournament like that? No. Well, they'll go to like a world tournament. Yeah, they did go to Florida for Worlds. Um, but the C team that's representing Nevada, I believe, is from Reno. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we don't even get it around here. No, I don't, I don't think they took any uh, local players from Vegas. Man. Yeah. So you guys, funny, really, saw, this, was the, this was our best shot. This was our best shot. And we actually, fit the best finish that any team from Nevada has ever had at this event. All right, well, I'm impressed. Uh, congratulations. That's Thank a, you. a good week. Uh, it's nice as you get older to kind of still live out some of your, you know, athletic, you know, you know, prowess, if you will. Of course. Like, you know, you, you think when you're done, what you think after playing college ball, it's like the last you're going to get yeah. is like, I'm not going to be able to experience things like this. And as yeah. you get older in life, it's like when well, your body starts letting you down and you can't do these types of things anymore. But yes, I can go play beer league softball and that's fine. It'll scratch the itch, but there's something about the competitiveness of playing no doubt. a sport at the highest level that gets the juices flowing. You're talking to a guy who took a pro MMA fight at 38 years old. So there you go. Uh, it's it's uh, there, there's no doubt. Like if you are an athlete when you're young, you, maybe you I should just, do that. You crave you know? I'm 38 now. I could use a good ass kicking. You could. You, you yeah. might want to. You probably should have started training like you know eight or nine years ago. No, I mean like I could use someone to kick my ass. Oh, I could okay. use a good ass kicking. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> For my cousin Vinny, when he's like, yeah, yeah. When he's like, let's see, co- collect two hundred dollars or have you kick my ass? You know, I think I'll I take could, the ass. You know, kicking. I, no, no, I could use a good ass kicking. I think I'll take the two hundred dollars. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, again, congratulations. Thank it's, you. It's thank awesome you. for you guys. I uh, wish we would have come back with a trophy, but uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, hey, my boy Scott, all-tournament team, sorry the rest of his team couldn't, you know, carry My shortstop him. made it, too. 
Did my he? Shortstop made it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, he had a he had a great tournament. And uh, I have to apologize to you. We did beat up on uh, North Texas in our first game. Those are Dallas kids, man. Good. Yeah, Get their asses. Yeah. That, you know, one of the coolest things about this event was seeing all the different jerseys mm-hmm. from all the other states. So the Dallas team, the North Texas team, they had, um, they it said uh, uh, they had like the Dallas Mavericks style, like uh-huh. the DAL on their shirts. Idaho had like Colorado Rockies, like purple with like the mountains on it. And I was like, I thought it was Team Colorado, but it said Idaho on their chest. So I guess they kind of modeled themselves out of it. South Florida, the Miami team had really nice, like neon like color, kind of like Miami Heat style. The the Pennsylvania team had two jerseys. One was the throwback Phillies, like the that like kind of um the big fat P. Yes. Yeah. And the other one they had was Pirates colors. Nice. So they kind of took both yeah, the yeah. colors from the from the state. Um couple of a <clears throat> couple of the good ones that I saw. Uh, the Mich- the the Massachusetts jerseys looked like they were UMass. Nice. Like literally, they, yeah. they had the UMass M and, and like the kind of the, the yep. little dots or whatever that they had on their logo. Um, Team New Jersey had like it said Garden State on their shirts, so it looked like Garden State Parkway, which is the main road in New Jersey. Uh, it was it was cool. And then at the end, you do a jersey swap. You find somebody and swap jerseys with. It's kind of like. When you're in Little League and you collect yeah. patches. The pins. They pins get, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so you swap jerseys with uh, with with somebody from another team. So I got myself a uh, South Florida jersey. And then, of course, I swapped with one of my boys from the jersey team. So I got a New Jersey jersey as well. Very cool. Good to have you back, but uh, glad you got to have that experience. Thank you, brother. Great night in college hoops last night. A couple, uh, couple really good games in the top 25 First big Mondays back, by the way. College football's over. Oh, it was a big Monday. ESPN in back the Big to doing, Twelve. ESPN's back to doing Big Monday, and it was Baylor and Kansas, and Baylor gets to seventy-five, sixty-nine win. They were blowing Kansas out of this game early. Kansas came all the way back, took a lead, and then Baylor stepped on the gas, and uh, Kansas just couldn't get back in it. This was the third straight loss for the Jayhawks. That is the fourth time in the Bill Self era that the Jayhawks have lost Damn. three games in a row. This is a rare, rare occurrence. What's their next game? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't even really think about that. Until... At Kentucky. Oh, they're going to win. Yeah, Kentucky stinks. Yeah, they're, they're going to. Well, Kentucky's playing better. And Kentucky's good at home. Yeah. Uh, although Kentucky did lose to South Carolina at home, so <laughs> it, it, anything can happen. But uh, Ken Palm, th- that game's on Saturday. Ken Palm has it as a a one point win, big Saturday for Kansas. So uh, it should be a tightly lined game. I will tend. I'm going to look for the Jayhawks there. Uh, and I've I've said this about the Big Twelve quite a bit. There's not bad losses in the Big Twelve. Mm. Uh, every win you get is a great win. Yeah. There's not bad losses. The worst team in the Big 12 is probably Texas Tech. And, like, they're certainly a tournament caliber. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they'll make the tournament. They're a tournament caliber basketball team. So, uh, no free squares. And Kansas is finding out the hard way. Uh, they lose two close ones sandwiched around a blowout at home to TCU. So, um, Kansas... I. It's hard for me to picture them losing four straight, but you know anything anything mm-hmm. can happen. Should be a fun one to watch. The other game that went down last night in top twenty-five action needed two overtimes to settle it, and boy, one of my last cuts yesterday was New Mexico plus two and a half. New Mexico loses in double overtime, ninety-seven to ninety-four. Ouch. To Nevada. Ouch. And I kind of had a feeling as soon as it went to overtime, the first overtime, I said, "Ooh, New Mexico is kind of out of gas." And they caught a technical foul in double OT that basically sealed the deal for them. Yeah, I saw uh, Richard Pitino, Pitino had, he had to be held back. Yeah, arguing a foul call that went against New Mexico, uh, got teed up, and that was pretty much the difference in the game. Mm. Uh, New Mexico catches their second loss of the season. The big game tonight, Kansas State 
at Iowa State. Big Iowa, 12, big Tuesday. Iowa State, a five-point favorite. Griffin Warner and I, who I do, he does a college basketball podcast with me, every week we break down the four biggest games. I'm doing quote fingers, the four biggest games mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. basketball that week. And we always joke, like, we've got to fight to not talk about nothing but Big 12. <laughs> That's how good this conference is. This is. I mean, far and away the best conference in college basketball. But it's it's hard to find games that are more interesting than the good matchups you get in the Big 12. Uh, but Iowa State, a five-point favorite hosting K-State. Uh, Miami is on the road at Florida State. They are three-point favorites. Oklahoma is a six-and-a-half-point dog at TCU, who I mentioned uh, blew out Kansas over the weekend. Oklahoma State catching seven-and-a-half on the road at Texas. Texas, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, I guess, assumption that Texas was going to fall off the map after Chris Beard got fired. Yeah. And they've continued to just keep playing good. They had one really ugly loss at home to Kansas State where they gave up 116 points. And then they lost at Iowa State, which there's no shame in that. But they've taken care of business otherwise, and this is still a really good team. I've talked about them being Chris Beard or no Chris Beard. When you're one of the five or ten most talented rosters in the country, mm-hmm. you're going to win a lot of games. So I think maybe people started to sell Texas at the wrong time. I, I think this is still a, a pretty good team here. And finally, Georgia Tech, not good. Uh, they are 10.5-point dogs at Clemson, who is, I think, for real – 11 and 0 at home. They are 16 and 4 overall. Uh, Clemson, a big favorite there against the Yellow Jackets. On the ice last night, uh, I gave out a play at pregame.com, and it was the first time this season, AJ, that I gave out a player prop. Okay. And I was so locked into this player prop because it was an emotional game. Oh, yeah. Johnny Gaudreau played his first game back in Calgary since signing with the Blue Jackets in the offseason. Played nine, his first nine seasons in the NHL, played for the Calgary Flames. Was drafted by the organization, became a star, became Johnny Hockey for the Flames. Now a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, he played the Flames in one game earlier this year. That. That means something because you're playing against your former teammates, your former brothers. But playing in Calgary in front of those fans in that arena where you spent the first nine years of your career, you knew it was going to be an emotional night for him. His shots on goal prop was two and a half, and it was actually plus money to the over. I said, this dude is going to be, he's going all out tonight. He's scoring a goal. There's no way. And in fact, he had a penalty shot early in the game and he missed. That was a chance. I saw it. Yeah, missed it wide right. Yeah. He did, however, pick up two assists and five shots on goal, which goes way over the two and a half shots on goal mark. So first player prop played this year, successful last night. Blue Jackets, though, lose to the Flames 4-3 in overtime. Let's take a look at the schedule coming up here for Tuesday night. You got the Bruins, who are the best team in hockey, 37-5-4 on the season. It's, it's just, it's insane. They have 78 points. No one else has 70. No one else <clears throat> has 68. They have 78 points. Points. They are on the road up in Montreal to take on the Abaton de Canadiens. Or no, the Abaton de Montreal. There you the go. Montreal habitants. Yeah. That's why they're called the Habs. Okay. That's why there's the H in the logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Abaton de Montreal. I like when you speak that way. The Abaton de Montreal. <laughs> the Abaton de Montreal. Canadians and Bruins. Bruins. Minus 360. Red Wings host the Sharks. Detroit, minus 155. The Kings are at the Flyers. L.A., minus 140. Panthers, second out of a back-to-back after losing to the Rangers last night. They are in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. Pittsburgh, minus 150. Wild at the Lightning. Tampa, minus 160. 
You got Hockey Night on ESPN, I believe. This one is the Golden Knights at the Devils. Jersey, minus 170. Devils, 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 games. And Vitek Vanacek, if he's in net, you got to keep an eye on this, obviously, because goaltending matchups and 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 whatnot. You never know who's going to be in net for for whatever. But Vitek Vanacek is on quite the roll for the New Jersey Devils. Vanacek has won his last seven starts. He's seven and zero with a two point one zero goals against average and a point nine thirty save percentage. So is that good? That's really good. So if Vanacek is in net tonight, lean towards the Devils against the Golden Knights. Jets at the Predators, Winnipeg minus 120. Sabres at the Blues, St. Louis minus 135. The Ducks and the Coyotes, two bad teams trying to play in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Arizona minus 135 at the Mullet Arena. I'll say that every time. Capitals at the Avs, Colorado minus 160. And the Blackhawks at the Canucks. The Canucks, who fired their head coach, Bruce Boudreaux, and replaced him with Rick Tockett, who will be announced uh, or has been announced as their new coach. So I think Vancouver might get a little new coach boost for tonight's game. Beat it, Bruce. Canucks minus 225. In the NBA last night, good night for the home teams as uh, only one road victory, one and six for the good guys at home. The one was the Milwaukee Bucks, and I sent a text to Mackenzie Rivers, our resident NBA expert, and I said, "This has to be a record, right? This like this is a this can't be real. What they did in the first half, eighty three points in the first half for Milwaukee. That's a lot. Not even close to a record, right, Mac? Not even close to close. The Nets had ninety one. That's the record for this year." And the record all time is 107 points at 1990. I imagine that you score 83 points, and it's not even the most this year <laughs> in the first half. Uh, either way, the Bucks go on to win. Not surprisingly, when you score 83 in the first half and you don't win, there'd be a real problem. They beat the Pistons. That one, game go over 150 to, <laughs> to 130. Yeah, I think it was lined at like 276. Okay, so cool. uh, 280 cool. got cool. you cool. to the window. Uh, a little sweat. Disappointing showing for the Celtics, who were seven and a half point road favorites. They get blown out by the Magic, who not really good. Uh, what's the what's going on with the Celtics right now, Mac? It seems to be the Magic have the Celtics number. This is the third straight game they beat them in, and after they beat them a second time, the Celtics color commentator got in a little hot water. He's like, "Well, we know the Magic aren't a good team." Cornbread Maxwell. And the Magic aren't a good team. They're 18 and 29, but they're 3 and 0 versus the best team record-wise in the NBA. The Bulls get a home win, 111-100 over the Hawks. The Rockets win their first game of 2023. Light the fireworks. I think I, I think the Rockets may be going for Connor Bedard. Scott, <laughs> uh, they beat the T Wolves 119-114. The Jazz 120-102 winners over the Hornets. Blazers 147-127 winners over San Antonio. And a game that, McKenzie, you saved me. I I almost made an NBA wager today because we talked about this yesterday morning. Uh, Grizzlies were on a back-to-back, and, uh, you know, we were saying maybe off two straight losses, they're at the Kings. They were about to pick them yesterday morning. Yep. I said, maybe we go that way. And Fez was like, oh, there's probably value on him. McKenzie agreed. I started to get real excited. Then today, I go to I go to look at it and maybe make a wager, and I see Grizzlies plus two and a half. And I said, uh-oh, something's amiss. So I texted Mac, and he says, the line is saying probably not going to be any Ja Morant. And, you know, we, we talked yesterday about the depth of that Grizzlies team, but no John Morant, no interest for me. And the Kings run away with this thing, 133-100, a game the Grizzlies fell way behind in, 
then made close and got blown out in the fourth quarter. So we talked about that depth, but it didn't do him any good late in the game, right, Mac? No, it didn't. And they signaled more than anything to the team by sitting John Morant with no clear health reason. I think the rest of the team got the message. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a back seat here. It is on the other side of this game though. Is Mike Brown the coach of the year right now? He, he very well might be. They're third in the West. It's unbelievable. A team that hasn't made the playoffs in twenty years is going to change that because of Mike Brown. Yeah, he deserves some consideration for sure. He's at plus four hundred right now, but he is the fifth favorite on the board. Wow. So is the favorite uh, the Celtics guy? Joe Mazzula is the favorite to win coach of the year. Followed, followed by Taylor Jenkins, Mike Malone, Jacques Vaughn, and Mike Brown. I think Mike Malone has a better argument. You have to talk about progress. The Pist- the Celtics are exactly as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets have become a contender for the first time in Jokic's career. Yeah, and I give Joe Mazzula some credit because he stepped into a spot where, yeah, listen, I mean, it was obviously, uh, that's a lot of turmoil to deal with. But, yeah, I, I I think what the what the king what the kings I mean the kings have been a laughing stock for years. Last year they were. Yeah, yeah this is to me that's the, the most impressive job. Like, can't you just like, are the kings going to become the first team to go over their win total this year? Yeah, they're like eight games away. Yeah, they yeah. will. <laughs> Let's talk about the Lakers. Who you know, Mackenzie, we I've sort of uh, joked back and forth with you about it's like LeBron and four guys from Sunset Park in that starting lineup. Uh, they make a move. Uh, Rui Hachimura, former Gonzaga Bulldog, uh, so I'm familiar with his work, is headed to L.A. What kind of an impact will this have on the Lakers? A modest one. I mean, he's what they need. He's a shooter. He's hitting 40% of catch-and-shoot threes, but he's just an average player. This Similar to the center they got, Thomas Bryant, he was a big deal in the summer. Oh, man, and then they start playing, and it's like, oh, well, there's another scrub next to LeBron and AD. <laughs> I will say this, though. AD's coming back. With Rui Achimera, they're only a couple games out of playoff race. I think the signal that they're sending to the team that they're all in might be worth as much as the roster upgrade. I'll say this about Rui Achimera. He is a fun player on offense. I don't know if he realizes that you're supposed to play defense when you play basketball. Like, I think he he thinks it's like the NFL, like someone just comes in and does mm, it. When, yeah. when the other team has the ball, he can rest up. Uh, not a strong defender. But uh, apparently he was kind of frustrated. He didn't have a uh, his rookie contract hadn't been extended, so I, I assume this move is being made with the assumption that, that Hachimura is going to be a, a Laker for a good little while. Yes, the Lakers announced today that they plan to sign him this summer. All right, so there you go. It's a they they've got some size. Uh, this is a a guy. I I was reading today that Rui Hachimura is a two way player. I don't believe it. Uh, like. I haven't seen a ton of him in the NBA. I saw him in college, but even today, I like when when the trade happened, I start going down the rabbit hole on Twitter of, of, of people talking about the trade. Yeah, and all it is is like low lights of Rui Hachimura playing defense. So let me ask you something, Mac. Are they playing? Is Hachimura going to be playing tonight for the Lakers, or will the Lakers be shorthanded now tonight? Uh. I'm guessing that he will not play. It, it wouldn't shock me because he is a catch-and-shoot guy. It's not like you got to teach him an offense or anything. But, um, yeah, they'll probably be shorthanded. You see that line with the Clippers move up from three-and-a-half to four, some four-and-a-halves popping up. Uh, probably going to be shorthanded. The uh, the Bucks. we mentioned them having a blowout win yesterday. That was the first time in over a month that Giannis and Chris Middleton yeah. were on the floor together. Uh, obviously, things looked pretty sharp for them putting up 150 points. Uh, what kind of an upgrade do you make on the Bucks? fully healthy? They're three and two before yesterday's game with Giannis and Middleton. That's not the Bucks that we expected. However, this looked like the Bucks of old, the guys that were winning by 10 points a game when they had the best record in the league. First half against a familiar opponent scoring 83 points. Those are the kind of muscle memory things that we used to see from the Bucks on a night in night out basis. All right, there is action tonight as well on the hardwood. McKenzie's Chicago Bulls, one-point favorites at the Pacers. My Cleveland Cavaliers, three-point favorites at Scott's Knicks. You're the neutral party here, McKenzie. My Cavs are Scott's Knicks tonight. Taking the road favorite. The Cavs are just better. Their fans are better. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Boston Celtics on the back end of a back-to-back plus one and a half at Miami. 
it, I know we don't like to play teams on on the second leg of these, but when when the Celtics lose as a sizable favorite, it, does that sort of change their uh, approach to game two? I think so, especially as a big favorite in state. The you don't want to go zero and two in the Miami Orlando workaround, so I feel like they're going to take one of these. The Nugs plus one and a half at the Pelicans. The Wizards, the Hachimuraless Wizards, are plus seven. At the Mavericks, the Hornets plus six and a half at Phoenix, and the Clippers four point favorites at the Lakers. What do you expect in the battle of LA tonight? There's one play I have in mind, and I'll give it to you. LeBron James has gone under his point total versus Kawhi like 80, 90% of the time. They always set it too high. Hopefully, me telling you guys this morning will not change the number, but if they post it at 30 and a half, I'm playing under. Oh, boy. Here, my concern is always, do they just decide to let Kawhi Leonard not play tonight? Like that's <laughs> always, always a concern. concern yeah, no doubt. And the Lakers aren't the kind of team that like the Clippers would be, you know, terrified to lose to. I mean, obviously, I think they probably get up for that game, but uh, yeah, that, that one always concerns me. Anytime you're like counting on Kawhi for a player prop, it's like, yeah, but does he feel like playing tonight? That is the question. So there you go, a full NBA card ahead for you tonight. Did you give out? The softball promo code. I did. While I was gone. I did. You did? Yeah. All right. Well, if anybody hasn't used it yet at pregame.com, you can still use it. It's still valid. So you can use the promo code softball20. What are the promo codes? Did you give out, did you give out Florida? Florida about, 20. Gave out that one as well. You gave out that one too. Oh, yeah. Man, I thought we were real clever with these promo codes. So I think that's the reason why you had so much success. Yeah. A lot of money being given out here, pregame.com. Well, if you haven't used these promos yet, I mean, you should use them because if you don't use them, you'll lose them. That's what they say, right? Yeah, use yeah. it or lose it, Buster. Use it or lose it. So go to pregame.com, use the promo codes. If you haven't used them already, they're there for you. If you're listening now and you didn't listen the past couple of days because you're just a fan of me, well, then go right <laughs> ahead and uh, use the promo codes. Nah, you should listen to these guys. They're great. Softball 20, Florida 20, either promo code is going to get you 20% off. At pregame.com, you can use them. And if you have not signed up for pregame.com, you really have to do it because new users get a free $25 when you sign up. So go to pregame.com, register, get your free $25, spend that on a best bet, a Mackenzie Rivers NBA best bet, an A.J. Hoffman college basketball best bet. A Scott Seidenberg NHL best bet. I don't like to brag nine and one on Saturday, my college hoops. Dude, you could have gotten those bets for free if you were a new member at pregame.com. And if you're a current member, you could have gotten those for 20% off by using one of our promo codes. So do yourself a favor, save some money, win some money, use the codes at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.